You are responsible for your life. You can't keep blaming somebody else for your dysfunction. Life is really about moving on. Oprah Winfrey. You're listening to Jammiest Bits of Jam. You're listening to the Jammiest Bits of Jam, a monthly storytelling podcast where we share fiction stories, true personal stories, and poetry written by girls, women, ladies, broads, birds, and bricky brave gals. Each month we choose a new theme and collect stories based on that theme, written by you, our listeners, and us, your hosts, Christina and Cassie. This month's theme is moving. So, Christina, you're actually moving. I'm moving right now. Yeah. I'm packing today. So this is, like, perfect timing (laughs) for this theme. Well, that's why I, like, made the theme, because I knew I'd be moving, like, when I was coming up with themes. Um, I knew I'd be moving around this time, so I was like, what's happening in my life then? Oh, I'm moving. (laughs) How about that? So when I thought of the theme, it was, like, actually, like, physically, we're, like, we're moving from one place to another, but there's also, obviously, the take on it of, like, moving on or, you know, like, uh, moving forward, stuff like that, Mm. which is also, you know, what I feel like I'm doing anyway with moving, so... Yeah, because when you move, you have to, like, go through all of your stuff, so you kind of see, like, where you've yeah. physically been in terms of possessions. Right. But also you're very conscious about the space around you. Yeah. It'll be interesting because I remember moving, because I lived in the same house in San Francisco for four years, and, like, packing for that was, like, ugh, because there was, like, four years worth of stuff in my room, and I've only been here a year, and I'm like, I don't actually have that much stuff. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, so funny how different it is from, like, a four-year... Living somewhere for four years and living somewhere for just a year. It's easier for me <laughs> this time. There was one year, like, maybe, like, four years ago where I actually moved six times in one year. But, like, I only had enough stuff to fit into the back of my Toyota Rev. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like... It was always very sobering to see all my positions fit in there. Right. And, like, move from place to place. Like, that was very strange. Did you move a lot when you were little? No, actually. It was, like, after my parents divorced, that's when, like, all the moving started. So it was, like, freshman year to college. Uh Like, in between there, I moved, like, maybe, like, four or five times. I was already pretty much established like in terms of my personality and all that stuff I think it did affect me because I mean how could it not you know you're losing your family the way you remember it and yeah yeah and everything you know is going to change because it's no longer going to be your surroundings yeah yeah I mean there are worse times in my life to to move a lot (laughs) but yeah it was interesting we moved twice when I was little Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then after I left for college and stuff, my parents moved another two times. Yeah. I just, I was always, like, really grateful to not be one of those kids who had to move all the time. Because mm-hmm. it was so, like, the times we did move was so, like, stressful. Did you pull any inspiration for your story that we're sharing today? Not really. So, my story is, it's a scary story, everyone. Buckle up. Actually, I'm a liar because in my story, there's like a scary thing and that kind of like 
my house in San Francisco that I moved out of a couple months before we moved, um, I had a few experiences in that house. And that house was built in 1925. Like, it's an old house. And so... I don't think I can talk anymore. I'm kind of like, man. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> I don't think I could. Don't be scared. I'm really freaking out. I'm really oh like, my oh my lord. I'm just <laughs> we hope that you, the listener right now, we're talking to you. Yes. <laughs> yes, you. If you okay. are moving in some fashion, moving on emotionally, moving physically, if you're walking from one place to another, we wish you luck on your journey. Good luck. Good luck. Was that your stomach growling? Yes. <laughs> Do you think I picked it up? I don't know. But I kind of want to leave this in. <laughs> bring snacks. Yeah, bring <laughs> snacks. Bring snacks on your journey. Okay. We're done. First up, from York, Pennsylvania, Leah Morrison with her piece, Motive of Motion, Changing of Notion. Watched me suffer. Then anxiety for weeks. 
blamed me for it. You made it up. Sick fuck. I rise on the floor. There's moving. The only choice. Moving. I watched his grotesque face. Stone. Remorseless. Chewing his hand again like a baby. Before I left, gashed my arm. Seeing it now like a flower in sunlight. Last form. A change of position. $160 to my name. Wasted too much gas finding a utopian Chinese buffet. Etched clear dream. Glad to be dying alone again. Hopeful. Drank my teeth slow. Looking forward to seeing my mother again. We had a lot of years in the past. We were so comfortable around. Grew too much on a roach motel. A short, dirty man solicited prostitution. A job outside, but he called me again upon entering my room. You want to make some money, little white girl? Sigh. Recording the silent cassette there, saying, whispered curses, playing keyboard in my room. Tried to block out the crowded couple next door. My door, the number of my destitute woman, which is my discarded outfit, would best impress my mother. Morning came, washed again. Despite physically clean sheets, several instances of cum were all over the room. On the gilded gold lighting fixture, alone. On the mirror, complained. Change from one activity to another. Meticulously moved for the second time this week. All my belongings. Car, porch, drum, guitar, paintings, meal crates full of clothes, small symbolic items. No one came home for a while. Visited a local shop and replaced cheap costume earrings with modest silver ones. Mother would approve. A coming rain threatened my fresh oil paintings. Oh. Returned. Sat in my car. Rain began to fall. Used small letters to write him a card. Expressed jubilation on seeing my mother. Otherwise, painful. Sister came home, brave face, didn't want to hug me, she wanted to cry, talked to bullies while I brought my belongings, familiar gold placard with my name above the door, arranged small percussive instruments in front of a mirror, my child took one, no traces of cum, sister said mother would be angry if I stayed here, whoa, confused. Even though the stepfather I hated died two months ago, I sent her a bagel and cream cheese making kit as condolences. A perfect gift. Our bastard family crest. When I called her eight months ago, when I said I hated him, I wasn't lying. Not about how I saw him touch my sister's butt.
She was between 10 and 12. Note about him driving drunk in the car, beer in hand, and he taunted. I'm just like your dad. Alas, he laughed. Take it. I left. Slept in the library parking lot. Yellow bandana out my window. A note to the police. Mercy. Mercy. Let me sleep here tonight. Mother's grieving. Morning came. Parked away from the lot I loitered in. Returned to the library. Found Mother's email. What's going on? Did not ask you about coming here. You took your things and go. I did let her know. A couple of days ago. Everything back on the porch. I found a ceramic head I painted on the ground. It spun and left broken pieces all over in her driveway on the porch steps. Left some stuff I couldn't take. Sheriff was there. Mother cried like a bitch. She kicked me out. Big empty bed. Since college, I have been home one week in three years. Never asked for money. Took it once when offered. Avoided being a nuisance. My worst offense was honesty. I said I had to get some things from inside. Took a bottle of water, the food and clothing I put away. Split peas and barley that I was going to make her the night before. And I yelled when I left. I applied to jobs here because I thought you needed money, and I wasted all my money on a stupid hotel. She said, I could give you money. It flashed in my head. She had over 30 pictures of a dead man she met when I was in the fifth grade all over that enormous house. A handful of my sister. And maybe two of me. I just drove away. I had to stop down the road to close my trunk. At the library, looked at three campsites, found a Walmart parking lot, sleeping in the garden center. I parked, still sunlight. Tried to sell my paintings like a sign spinner, price tape to my chest, waving canvas in the air. Wind and strip all disinterest left me back in my car, taking cover from the falling rain, typing library into my GPS. Found a library. Signed up for an internet car. Found a homeless shelter. Indigo dark, I drove there. A woman to my ID. Paperwork. Breathalyzer. I traveled over 600 miles in two days. Carried it like all so much weight. It's nothing to some. Work to be done. But for me, it, it was progress to settle in a bit. And it was so wonderful to have hot dinner. And it was served. Over the next couple of weeks, I came to know baked beans, potato salad, and banana pudding far too well. It reminded me of being a child again. Suspending my tongue to adopted grandparents and their food bank leftovers. I put finishing touches on my first oil painting. Symbols of heaven. I created beyond my prior conception of possibility. The feelings I felt were so varied. Discomfort. Sensitivity to the snores of old women. None of the Craigslist scam. 
story by Christina Kishpaw entitled The Perfect Apartment. It was the perfect apartment. Two blocks from the office, second floor, so she could get some exercise in. In a beautiful turn-of-the-century brick building downtown, she got a great deal on rent. It overlooked an adorable community garden. A cafe sat on one side of the building and a wine bar on the other, her morning and evening vices secured. She loved this apartment. Charlotte woke with a start. She squinted into the darkness of her room. She dared not even think what she thought that noise was because if she thinks about it, it'll freak her out. She was moving. Her room was piled high with boxes. She didn't want to leave. She had put up a good fight, and she thought she could last longer than she did. She hates being a quitter. Two years here. It was her home. But three months ago, the activity began. She can't even sleep here when alone. Her friend Jason currently slept on the couch in the living room. She saw the entity that is inhabiting her apartment twice. It was enough. After almost two months of floating objects, opening cupboards, slammed doors, cold spots, and inaudible whispers in her ear, she finally came face to face with it. It was an especially windy night. The large oak that grew along the building's side lightly brushed her window. She was getting ready for bed and turned off her lamp. It took her a moment to notice the figure in the corner of her room. It took her another moment to notice she could hear its heavy breathing right in her ear. It stood kind of slouched. It had no real distinguishing features, really, except it looked like it was wearing a hat of some kind. She stood there, her breath visible. It was freezing. She could feel her lungs fill with air and deflate as she focused on every breath. They stood there, the pair of them, shadow person and human girl, staring at one another. It lifted its arm and she could see it had long, jagged claws. It pointed them right at her. 
That's when the chill hit her. Not just the room chill, it came from within her. It started in her gut and spread, like her blood was being frozen right in her veins. The only word she could use to describe it later when telling Jason was death. She doesn't remember what exactly happened after that. She woke up in her bed like she does every morning. She didn't feel any different. Nothing looked different. Maybe it was a dream. No, 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 no. A nightmare. Maybe all this weird stuff happening in her apartment finally was manifesting in her psyche. It wasn't until later that afternoon, the second time she saw the entity, that she decided she needed to move. She had come home for lunch. She walked in and immediately thought she had been robbed. All of her furniture was gone. Her utensils drawer was wide open and empty. All the pots and pans not hanging above the oven like usual. She stood there in her empty apartment, dumbstruck. How could they get all of it out in the three hours she had been... Suddenly, all of her belongings came crashing down violently onto her. It was loud, the sound of her life crashing down around her. Once it was quiet, except for the vibrations from the few still-intact strings of her grandmother's now-destroyed antique piano, she opened her eyes. Something had hit her head pretty hard, so her vision was readjusting when she saw some shadowy feet shuffling away from her and then down the hall. She went to push herself up off the ground, but was met with sharp pain running up her arm. She screamed. A steak knife was sticking out of her hand. Silverware was strewn all around her. Shards of glass and porcelain from glasses and mugs had left little cuts all over her legs. She got up and screamed again when written on her wall in what looked like a black coal ash was the word, MINE. That happened two weeks ago, and now she's moving. She's seen enough scary movies to know that fighting this out, that trying some kind of exercising or pretending like it's not real just led to her death or possession. A perfect small apartment around the corner from the office with great rent and a beautiful old building just isn't worth it. It almost is, but it isn't. This has been the Jammy Spits of Jam Storytelling Podcast, episode produced in sunny Los Angeles, California, by Christina Kishpaw and Cassie Soliday, with music by Grace Sai. Follow us on Facebook at Jammy Spits of Jam Podcast or on Twitter at Bits O Jam Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share this episode with your friends and rate us on iTunes. With your help, we can promote the unique voices of women everywhere. Check out our upcoming themes, and if you feel a spark, consider contributing to the show with your own story. We accept short fiction, nonfiction, or poetry. Here at Jamie Spits of Jam, we believe that every woman has a unique voice. Our mission is to build a platform in which to share these voices, and that is why every writer retains the rights to their story. You're welcome. 
And thank you. And thank you. <laughs> For more information, please email jammiestbits at gmail.com. Until next time, keep writing and embracing the most important thing that you have, your voice.